This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Craig Ellum joins me. Very good morning. Now, unusually, just as we sort of pack up the programme at seven o'clock, the Bank of England is going to speak. It uh, doesn't normally do that. The last time, as you've noted, was uh, before a budget. Normally, it tends to suggest, given it's normally at midday, that something important is going to be announced. The obvious question, what do you think it is and uh, what are you actually looking for? The, the funny thing is that there seems to be nothing normal uh, about the environment that we currently live in. So they did this um, about a month, month and a half ago, I think it was budget day and that was to kind of preempt uh, the budget to kind of offer these supportive measures to allow maximum impact for the budget but also not to coincide with it because obviously the timing so obviously when they're announcing that they're doing so today it's going to lead to speculation about what they're going to announce next last time it was a 50 percent increase in uh, quantitative easing the government's but the, the the central bank's bond buying program uh, and a slashing uh, of interest rates well interest rates are currently 0.1 percent and the bank of Previously, they can't go lower. They can't go into negative territory like others have done that will create financial stability issues. Uh, so it's obviously the only thing that's left for people to speculate on is whether they will uh, increase the QE program. The, the thing is, you would think that if you're going to go to the efforts to move a meeting, there must be something worth announcing. Uh, if that is a change of mind on negative rates or if that is a huge increase to QE, or if that's just uh, offering new forecasts, which you believe that the markets, uh, which you need to deliver at the right time, because we've obviously seen the OBR saying we could see a contraction of up to 35% in the second quarter. Whatever it is, it seems like there is going to be something announced that is that they fear could cause uh, a bit of a shock to uh, the markets, and they effectively wanted to lay the groundwork and prepare people. What's interesting is there's been no speculation. There's been no rumours. Normally you get little leaks or you get little rumours, and people start to piece together what they think is going to happen there hasn't really been very much of that and in fact economists still believe that they're not going to do anything which i find quite shocking really because otherwise all of this effort to move the meeting is all for naught and you've got to wonder and question the motivation behind doing so unless again they are anticipating another government uh, announcement later on this morning but it's really difficult to do because you're just speculating based on very little information is it possible to extend quantitative easing even further magic money trees come into view and i think about things like that you've got the federal Reserve and the Bank of Japan who are doing what is effectively called QE infinity. They've not put a limit on their bond buying and I mean at the end of the day these are central banks they can continue to buy bonds as long as there's no inflation appearing in the economy uh, and will do whatever it takes effectively to support and I don't think the DCB is too far away from uh, undergoing a similar path although they may not term it QE infinity I think there's going to be a lot more central banks who may start to consider uh, yield targets um, uh, so this is saying rather than saying we will buy X amount of bonds each month. They're saying, well, we're going to buy enough bonds so that the 10-year yield sits at 0%. The Bank of Japan is already doing that. And sometimes that can become self-fulfilling because if the markets know that the bank's going to, the central bank's going to be purchasing in order to achieve that, then maybe they won't try and push the yield around those levels so you could end up actually purchasing uh, less uh, as a result. So the Bank of England could go down that route. But we are in such a period of unconventional policy. Who knows what they're going to do right now? The Fed has, has I think, seven or eight different uh, stimulus packages. This could be the ECB last week when everyone was speculating that they could 
open the number of bonds into uh, uh, sort of effectively lower the threshold for to, uh, for qualifying for their bond scheme, they decided to announce something called Peltros, which is a pandemic emergency long-term refinancing operation aimed at, uh, uh, at trying to support the economy through the actual pandemic. No one anticipated that because this is a brand new program that they just made up. So you just it's really difficult at this point in time to anticipate exactly what these central banks are going to do. All we can say is if you're going to move your meeting uh, for the second time that I can remember from midday to 7am, then you must have something to say. Let's talk about the United States. And uh, we've had the, the pay, the, AD, the ADP, it's a private payroll um, indicator, happens every month just before the, the big, big um, unemployment figures and all the employment figures in the United States, which are in fact tomorrow and always a, a big market mover. Um, they're pointing towards 20 million jobs lost in, in, in the UK. Um, in the, 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 sorry, US, uh, I'm sorry to say, and add this to uh, Larry Fink, who's the chief executive of um, the world's biggest private equity company, BlackRock. And we listen to what Larry Fink says because he is advising President Trump on how the United States will climb out of the um, the COVID-19 crisis. And he's talking about a mixture of bankruptcies, empty planes, cautious consumers, and perhaps an increase in corporation tax, all which all of which will crimp the US economy in the years to come. And yet, and yet, and yet, the markets have done nothing about this, have they so far, or at least in the United States. So we have uh, this obviously situation where these numbers, which we saw yesterday from ADP, the official numbers, so the ADP is the private sector payrolls company, and they they do some modelling for their number to make it somewhat reminiscent of what we should expect from the uh, non-farm payrolls number on Friday. That's the that's the official one, uh, the one that includes all government payrolls, etc. And that's expected to be a 21.4 million uh, job decline, with unemployment going from 4.4% to 16%. Um, and, and as you noted, the markets kind of gave it a free pass. Again, they've given a lot of data a free pass. They've given a lot of earnings a free pass. Uh, with the jobs data, you can imagine because we've seen just over 30 million jobless claims in the last five weeks in the US. So when you factor that in, then maybe this number starts to look less shocking, even though this is going to be, in my view, the worst jobs report I'll ever see. So, I mean, we can't underplay just how severe this situation is. But the difficulty that you have with things like this jobs data is you don't know how much of it's going to be permanent. Uh, so people who have who are on temporary relief from work, who are effectively on furlough, will qualify as unemployed as far as this um, uh, as far as the, this, these numbers are concerned. So it's extremely difficult to gauge the permanency of, of all of this. But the problem is, the more we're seeing now is that we are going to see a lot more permanent unemployment. We are seeing firms who, even once these furlough schemes are passed, once these uh, job support schemes are passed, they, 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 there is no choice for companies but to let them go. If you are an airliner, you do not need the same number of staff that you have been um, that you have been hiring for the last number of years, at least for the next two or three years, because the industry just isn't going to recover. If you own a restaurant and you had five waiters on, are you expecting the same number of clientele? Probably not. So the chances are you're going to see it there. We've seen it announced with Uber this morning. They're releasing a number of staff because they just expect to be less busy as a result of this for the foreseeable future. There's going to be businesses across the world who are going to take a similar view because people's habits are going to change. And when people's habits change, staff are going to be less necessary. Now, other people may hire. You've seen it already with Amazon. But I think the net effect in the short term is going to be there is going to be a lot more job losses than we've seen for a long time and it's going to take a little bit of time to recover from that and craig um finally um you touched on europe we're looking at figures there saying that uh, europe faces the worst 
recession since the Great Depression, um, some really frightening figures about collapses in GDP in the countries you would expect that to happen because they're burdened with big debt, 10% perhaps um, as far as Greece, Spain and Italy are concerned. But, but even more worryingly, I would suggest, is a 6.5% drop forecast for Germany. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is uh, quite incredible numbers, uh, but this is the type of data which we're going to see from everywhere. The sad thing about the, the these uh, European Commission forecasts is, yes, 7.7% contraction this year. Uh, they said that inflation will effectively disappear and uh, that we'll see ballooning deficits. This is one of the worrying things is that we're going to see ballooning deficits in an area of the world where they've already got, um, they've only just got their deficits down to levels which they are deemed responsible. They've already got extremely high debt levels. And once again, it feels that the countries that have been worst affected by the coronavirus through no fault of their own are the ones who are least able to take it. So this is Italy, whose debt to GDP before this was 142% is expected to, to jump to just shy of 160%. Spain, who obviously um, uh, who obviously have been in recovery, who are, who've been showing signs the last couple of years, have been heavily hit by the coronavirus and are going to pay the economic cost as well. And this is where the Europe, uh, this is where the euro area really needs to take a good, strong look at itself because it's effectively dooming itself if it doesn't do something to support the countries who, through no fault of their own, um, have been very, very negatively impacted by it. And when you see numbers like this, it does make you fear for the short and even medium term uh, of this of a number of these countries, which then makes you fear for the longer term, because if Europe isn't going to backstop these countries and isn't going to lend its support, then you have to question what the point of this actual project is. And that is what many people within these countries are going to do. And that's the fear. We've already seen rising resentment towards uh, the euro bloc uh, within Italy over the course of the last two years in particular. If they now are in for a heavy recession, high unemployment, and to be told that they need to then tighten the purse strings again, you can only think this is going to fuel resentment and uh, and provide a boost for many of these anti-euro parties. So I think uh, I think the, the I think Europe needs to play this one very very cleverly. Craig Ellum, thank you very much indeed. This is a business breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Mm-hmm.